Amen. Thank you, John. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's, um, it's a great, great, great privilege to be able to be here with you guys today. A few people here in person, uh, the majority of us online, so a really, really, really warm welcome to you this morning. As John has already said, I'm Scott, the student pastor here at Coastline, and I love this church. I love the people. I love it. Um, I also want to say um, that I, I'm an extrovert, right? So I enjoy interaction, okay? So I've missed seeing people. So there's a few people here, there's lots of people online, and I would love it if you'd interact with me, because that makes me feel better. So if I say something you agree with, say amen. If I say something you don't agree with, say amen and be gracious. If I say something funny, laugh. If it's not so funny, still laugh. If you're online, put some funny things in the chat so I can read back afterwards. I've turned it off on here because it will distract me. But put some things in that I can read back and will make me laugh later on. Talking about funny, I, I think that I'm funny. Like, I find myself pretty funny. I quite often laugh at my own jokes. Sometimes when I get into bed... I'm laying there, Sarah's asleep, and I start giggling, and it annoys her, and I'm just thinking of things that I've done in the day that have made me laugh. But, but something happened to me seven years ago. See, I, I'm funny, I think I'm funny, and other people used to find me funny. But seven years ago, something changed. I became a dad, right? So happy Father's Day to all the, all the fathers and all the men in the church. Um, but, but then something happened, and somebody says, there's something called dad jokes. Now I was like, I would never say dad jokes. Guess what? Seven years ago, I started to become that one that would say dad jokes. So I still find them funny, but others don't. But, but I've got a couple here. So um, my wife asked me to stop singing Wonderwall. So I said, maybe. Yeah? Uh, what did the police officer say to his belly button? You are under a vest. Why can't we uh, give Elsa a balloon? Because she will let it go. Um, do you want to know why nurses like red crayons? Uh, sometimes they have to draw blood. These are dad jokes that you can laugh at. Okay, a man went for a job interview and he was asked, can you perform under pressure? And he said, I don't know, but I can give Bohemian Rhapsody a good crack. That's a good one, isn't it? That's a good one. Anyway, let's get serious, I guess. Scott, stop joking around. Um, so we're carrying on with our ser uh, series at the moment. Uh, what it means for us as a community to be one another. Like, and today I'm, I'm taking it to the next stage where I'm talking about forgiving one another. Quite a big topic, uh, not always an easy topic for us to kind of digest, but um, I really believe that if we want to see the glory of God, if we want to see revival here on earth, then we need to prioritize, absolutely, Harris, uh, we need to prioritize having uh, a one another lifestyle. What does it really mean for Coastline, for Vineyard, for England, if we could really have that one another lifestyle? Um, I think it would be awesome. Um, so forgiveness, the Bible talks about forgiveness in lots and lots of different ways, how God's forgiven us, how we should forgive others, how we should forgive ourselves. Uh, and today we're focusing primarily on forgiving others, one another. Uh, and it says in Colossians 3.13, it says this, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm going to pray. Uh, let's open up our hearts, because I think God wants to do some uh, heart ministry today. So let's open up our hearts and hear from him. Yeah, Lord God, we just pray uh, and just ask, Lord God, that your word will just... Uh, pierce our hearts, Lord, that it will speak to us. Lord, would you open up our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit 
Father, Lord God, we, uh, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And uh, we just really want to lift you high in this place this morning. And Lord God, we also pray for England football team. Lord, it didn't go our way the other day, but Lord, we pray that Tuesday, Lord, that we will see a completely different side and that we will be victorious. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, so um, I came across this quote from an actor, right? He's, he, he's one of my favorite actors, okay? And before I say the quote, I want to see if anybody here online can guess who the actor is, right? So I've already said it's a he, it's an actor, it's a male. He's American, okay? He's early 50s, I would say, early 50s. He's got children, okay? He's been in various different things. Um, one film that he was in was uh, Seven Pounds, if anyone knows who I'm talking about, feel free to shout it out. Will Smith. Will Smith on £7. Pounds. Wow. I thought we were going to have to get to like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air before people would guess. Okay, yeah, so Will Smith said this quote. It will come up. It says, Throughout life, people will make you mad, disrespect you, and treat you bad. Let God deal with the things they do, because hate in your heart will consume you. Hate in your heart will consume you. Now, I don't believe uh, I'd agree with everything that Will Smith says, but this quote, the whole thing of let God deal with it, because if we've got some hatred in our heart, then it will consume you. You say, Scott, it's easy for you to say you have no idea what I've gone through in my life, and I, and I appreciate that, I don't. And you can say, you don't know how badly, Scott, my boss treats me. Yes, it is consuming me, but, but, but I'm right to be this mad. I'm right to be this angry because you don't know how he speaks to me. You don't know what she does to me. And I appreciate that this topic might be a, a, a topic that's probably easier to talk about than it is to actually action and to do. But these are the exact same questions that the disciples were asking Jesus. And in Matthew 18, um, Peter asks this a question of Jesus. Jesus has been teaching his disciples how to handle it when brothers cause offense and sin against us. And it says this, 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, it was, it was interesting because the Jewish rabbis... Uh, believed and taught at this time that we should, give, we should forgive people three times, and on the fourth time, it should be punishment. So Peter's saying seven times, he's saying, you know what, I know it's free, I'm going to double it and add one, I'm going to show Jesus how generous I really am. Should we forgive him seven times? Verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Wow, 77 times, how, how can I remember 77 times. And that's the point. Jesus doesn't want us to count. He wants us to lose count of how many times we've forgiven people. He then goes on to share in a parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold or talent was brought to him. And here it's interesting to know that the debt here uh, was impossible to pay back. So uh, I know the King James Version refers to it as talents, uh, and from research it says that a talent was equal to about uh, a wage of about 20 years. So it was about equivalent to 20 years' worth of wages. And the number 10,000 here is the highest used Greek numeral. So he's really trying to hit a point at home here, really trying to hit a point. Verse 25, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that him and his wife and his children 
had to sell everything they had to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, says, be patient with me, he begged. I will pay you back everything, please. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. The servant went out, and it's interesting, this just like reads as if it happened straight away. So he's just had it all cleared, all his debt cleared, and he goes out, 28. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, much, 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 much less than what he originally had owned the king. He didn't ask him for it. (laughs) It says that he grabbed him, began to choke him, and told him, pay me back what you owe me. I demand it. Pay me back. The fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, saying, please, please be patient with me. I will pay it back to you. But he refused. He went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Like, wow, how unfair is that? Like, he's had all his debts cleared, like that he was never, ever going to be able to clear, and yet somebody owes him a very small fraction of that, and he, he, he doesn't wipe it at all. He throws him in prison. It's 31, verse 31. When the other, other servants saw what happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said to him, you wicked servant, I cancelled all of your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should be able to pay everything that he owed. 35, and this is the hard bit. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. It's great to know that we've been forgiven. You know, Jesus has forgiven us. We do not deserve the life that we have. But Jesus forgave us of everything. That was a debt that we were never able to pay back on our own, on our own merits on our, by working hard. But Jesus forgave us. And yet he calls us to do the exact same thing. And we can read that story and we can be like, wow, how did that servant do that? But the reality is we do that all the time. <laughs> Jesus has forgiven us but we often have people in our lives that we struggle to forgive. We struggle to forgive. The Bible's full of scriptures instructing us to forgive others. Um, Matthew 6, if you you forgive other people that sin against you, your heavenly Father will be sure to forgive you. Mark, uh, when you stand praying, if you hold anything in your heart against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. I'm not too sure about you, but like, I find that today's society here on earth, where we live currently, is quite unforgiving. Like, uh, you don't have to do much for people to write you off anymore. Like, you can uh, just be a, a certain type of person, like, dress a certain way, and people will write you off. You can do something wrong at work once, and people have nothing else to do. You know, the, the, the whole kind of picture of marriage in the world is, you know, if, 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 if you've done something to upset me, it's okay, because I can go and find somebody else. I don't need to forgive you. I can move on. And, and the society we live in is, is very much like that, an unforgiving world, where I feel like the culture is often bitterness, anger, a lot of resentment, hatred to others. But the kingdom of heaven is different. You see, like the currency, the values of the kingdom of heaven is generosity, is grace, it's forgiveness, it's love. That is the currency of heaven. Forgiveness is in the currency of heaven. And we say it at Coastline, and I love it. Love the king, live the kingdom. 
love the king, live the kingdom. When I first started coming to Christmas, I didn't know what that meant. And um, Aid and John would put it on the bottom of their messages, LTK. And I Googled it. What, does, what are they trying to say? What is LTK, LTK? That's what it is. Love the king, live the kingdom. Essentially, love Jesus and live in the kingdom. Basically means that, that currency, that value, that culture, that generosity, that love, that forgiveness, atmosphere, culture that's in heaven. We want to see it outworked here on earth. Amen. Amen, absolutely. Can you imagine what life would look like on here if we really did live kingdom lifestyle on here? Like, instantly when people are offending us, we're showing them love. <laughs> we're showing them grace. You know, people come and steal the lead on the church, we invite them in. <laughs> we buy them teas and coffees. We cook them dinner. You know, just imagine, the, the world wouldn't get it. They would be like, what is happening here? Why? Because it's not normal. Because we are not called to a normal lifestyle. We are citizens of heaven here for a very short temporary time to carry out an assignment. Absolutely. Um, the enemy's got a plan for our lives, guys, right? And it's not just a plan. Like, the enemy's clever, right? The enemy is clever. And he's got a plan, and, 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 and I think that there's three parts to his plan. I think his aim is to destroy us. The enemy's got an aim to destroy us. John 10.10 10 says that, that, that he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's, that's his aim. That's what he exists to do. Aim, destroy. Strategy, i.e., what is he going to do? I believe it's to cause division. I believe that the enemy wants to cause division amongst this church here, coastline. I think the enemy wants to cause division between us and Love Church and Sunny Hill and loads of other churches. I think that the enemy wants to cause division in friendships. I think the enemy wants to cause division in marriages. That's what he wants to do. His tactic, how is he going to do it? I believe it's by causing offense. I believe that he wants to cause us to become offended. We all get offended, right? Some of us get uh, offended probably easier than others. In different environments, certain things uh, can happen. But it happens to all of us. We, we have people that frustrate us, and therefore we're easily offended because they frustrate us. We have people that talk about us behind our backs. We have people that post things online about us. And we become offended. It happens to all of us. I might have offended you at some point. Maybe my prayer about football, and I put that in intentionally, might have offended you. If so, I'm sorry. Hopefully by the end of this message, you'll be able to get over it. That's my hope. I've got this ability to offend people. <laughs> I seem to offend people without even realizing it. And that's the other thing, is we can cause offense without even knowing we've caused offense. We can hold offense <laughs> without the person even knowing that they've done anything wrong. I'll give you a little insight into um, Scott and Sarah marriage. I'm married to my wife, Sarah. I've got three beautiful kids. Been married 11 years, right? Um, and I'm pretty much a perfect husband 5% of the time. The other 95% of the time, I'm still massively learning. <laughs> and there's one example that jumped to mind, and it was Sunday the 14th of March, 2021. Does anyone remember what day that was? It was Mother's Day, okay? It was Mother's Day. And um, Saturday night, so the 13th of March, we were, up, we were with some friends. We were with Ant and Em, who come to this church. We were around their house, and it was probably about 9 o'clock at night. And Sarah said to Ant, have you got anything planned for Mother's Day tomorrow? And I was on the other side of the room having a sip of my drink when I heard it and thought, Mother's Day, rubbish. So 
had a sip of my drink, and Aunt basically was like, oh yeah, I've ordered in breakfast, I've got this, I've got that, like, it's going to be amazing. And Sarah's like, that's so good. And she turned to me, and I'm like, that's great, Aunt. Turns to me, and have you got, have you got much planned tomorrow? And I was like, Sarah, you know what, you are so lucky. I don't treat you just one day of the year. I treat you every day of the year, thinking, how am I going to get out of this? I can't get to the shops tonight. Anyway, I thought, right, I get home. In the morning, I'll wake up, give her a lion, uh, take the kids downstairs, and then we can quickly come up with a plan of what we're going to do for the day. It'll be fine. Anyway, morning comes. I wake up. I look over. Sarah's not in bed. I'm thinking, it's 9 o'clock. I never stay in bed till 9 o'clock. <laughs> It's nine o'clock and the house is quiet. So I go downstairs and Sarah's there, graciously playing with the children, all lovely. And I'm like, morning, guys. Happy Mother's Day. Thinking, what happened? Anyway, she said I was fast asleep, so she just decided. I didn't hear the kids wake up, so she just took them down. I was thinking, oh, this is getting worse for me. This is not going well. So I said to her, I said, right, are you ready, ready for the day's plans? And she said, have you got some things planned? I said, I will have. Yeah, yeah, I will have some things planned for sure. Eden, no, we've got to quickly go to Tesco's. So we go to Tesco's, and I said, guys, have you got mum a card? Yes, we made them at school. Great, thank God for schools. So, okay, what should we get? Okay, so I think we just got some, like, chocolate, some sweets. Come back, and on the way back, bumped into a friend, ended up chatting for, like, half an hour, and at the same time, I'm chatting and being relational because I love that, but I'm thinking, she can be going crazy because, like, the day's pretty much gone, and I've got to go to work in, like, two hours. So anyway, so I come back, happy Mother's Day. Uh, and I said, oh, all right, we're we going to go out for like a family walk? She said, no, and my mum's coming around now. I was like, what do, you, what do you mean your mum's coming around on Mother's Day? We've got to celebrate you first. Well, you didn't, you didn't communicate anything, Scott, and you didn't, didn't arrange anything, so I've just planned my own day. How dare you tell me I have not arranged anything? I have got a plan for us. You've now ruined it by inviting someone around. And there was a little tense atmosphere. And Anyway, I went off to work later on. We didn't go out and do anything, and that was it. I forgot all about it. Right? Four weeks later, four weeks later, date night. I am like, sweet. I haven't had date night for ages. I'm looking forward to date night. So we have a nice dinner on the table, set it all up, got a shirt on, thinking, yes, love you. Sarah sits down and she gives me this look. It's a look I've seen so many times. And she says, I need to talk to you about Mother's Day. Now, I'd forgotten all about Mother's Day, right? And I was like, what, what about it? Like, thinking, I know where we're going now. She's like, you, you really offended me. How did I offend you? Well, you weren't thoughtful, you didn't plan anything, you didn't even say sorry for not planning anything, you then went out. I was like, look, this is date night. We don't want to talk about problems on date night. This is meant to be fun, right? We're meant to like eat some meal and watch some TV and just enjoy each other's company, not deal with problems. She's like, no, it's important to me. We need to talk about it. So I did what I always do and said sorry, realized that I was wrong and that I'll learn from my own mistakes. But my point here being, she was offended for four weeks over something I did, and I didn't even know she was offended. Like, I was living my life normal. She obviously was, like, frustrated and a bit disappointed in me and whatever other emotions she felt. But I was living my best life. I didn't have any issues at all until four weeks later, and she brings it up. It's easy for us to hold offence without the other person knowing it. And so my point there is, if you've got offense in your heart, deal with it quickly. Don't hold on to it for four weeks. Because the thing with offense is it, it affects us more than it affects the other person. T.D. Jakes says this quote. He says this, I think the first step to understand that forgiveness 
does not exonerate the perpetrator is forgiveness liberates the victim. It's a gift you give yourself. It's a gift you give yourself. I believe that offence is often the gateway to unforgiveness. I think it's often the starting point. It can often be small. These guys are just going to help me out. So just if you're thinking, what's happening? It's got about to be attacked. No, I'm not. This is all planned. Don't worry. Um, also, everyone's hand sanitized. They're wearing face masks. So this is COVID secure. Don't worry. Offence often starts small and something that we pick up but it can later turn to unforgiveness. And, and we can hold offence for a long periods of time. And the thing is, there's offences all around us. Everywhere in life, there's offences walking around. And I believe that offences can either be picked up or put on. They can happen by people we know. They can happen by family members, people we trust. They can happen by strangers. They can happen online. All sorts of different environments. And you see, I can, I can live my life walking around, like watching the offences go by, and it doesn't bother me. I don't mind. That, that irritates me a little bit, but you know what? No, just keep going. That, that, doesn't, that, that doesn't bother me, but I won't let it bother me. But then there'll be a point where you, maybe I'm tired. I'm tired today, right? And what I don't like is I don't like the way that you're driving. Hey, I can't believe you beeped your horn and showed me the middle finger. I'm offended by you. And I carry this offense. I've picked up this offense. Okay, and I some, let some other offenses go by. And that's absolutely fine. They're all around me. And I say, I thought we were meant to be business partners. You let me down. We're meant to be business partners. You've offended me. And I carry it. And I've got to go through my life. You know, I go to work normally, but I'm slightly weighed down in my heart now. But it's okay, I can, I can still go. And, and some offences are put on me, and some that I've collected. But the thing is, the more offences that I've got, the easier it is to become offended. So I'm offended at you, and I don't, I don't even know who you are, but you were speaking to someone, you made a racist comment, right, which is wrong. I'm offended by that. I don't know that person, but I'm offended by them. And it starts to weigh it down. And then it gets to the point where something happens in my life where I haven't picked up an offence, but an offence was put up me. And my mum allowed my dad to abuse me as a child. And that wasn't something I picked up, but that was put on me. And now I'm feeling the weight, and I'm trying, I'm trying to get through life. Like, good morning, church. It's great to see you. I'm here, and I'm so grateful for all the things that God's done in my life. But I'm feeling weighed down inside. I'm feeling weighed down. And then, hey... After everything I've done, you can't even text me on my birthday. That's tiny, but I'm offended. Hey, I've just joined your church. Your church is meant to be welcoming. Do you know what? You don't even give me a platform. You give Scott, Scott a platform, but you don't give me a platform. How dare you, Aid? How dare you, John? I'm offended by that. Didn't invite me to your birthday, huh? Didn't invite me to your birthday. I'm offended by that. And we carry on, carrying on this offense. So we can drop out now, drop out now. And then something else happens. You know, a person I trust, my wife, cheats on me with my best mate. That's cool, cheers, mate. And I've got all of this. You know what, I'm still called 
to preach. I'm still called to be a husband. I'm still called to be a leader. But this makes it hard. Hey, church. Good to see you. I can only just lift my hand. And what happens is all this offense that I'm carrying becomes my bed. It becomes the comfortable place for me. It becomes the place where I live from. So you might not see me like this, but this is how I feel when I wake up in the morning. So I'm able to stand up here and preach. I'm able to stand up here and pray, play the drums like you've never seen. But inside, I wake up in the morning and I've got so much unforgiveness in my heart that I struggle to get up. But God's got a plan for us. He's got a plan for every one of us here. And so when God says, Scott, I want you to move. I'm calling you to China. God, I'm going. Oh, hold on a minute. God, I've got all of this stuff I've got to bring with me. I cannot leave this aside. God's saying, you're not going to get on a plane like that, Scott. Yes, I will. Virgin Atlantic, move on over. You know, it makes it hard, right? It makes it hard. Or when God says something simple like, Scott, I want you to love your wife. I'm going to struggle to even hug her like this. Ah, I'm going to struggle to love her. And you know, and on that point, I often think that a lack of intimacy in marriage is often caused by blockages, unforgiveness in our hearts. And God says something simple like, okay, lift your hands. I'm trying, but it's too heavy. Do you know why? It was too heavy for me to carry in the first place. It wasn't for me to carry. The good news is, is as easy as it is, or as hard as it is at times, to pick up a fence, it's easy to lay it down. And God calls us to lay it down. Because if we hold this for too long, and some people are holding this baggage, this unforgiveness, these offenses in their heart for years and years and years. And I believe God's saying, cast all your burdens onto me. I'm your Lord. I care for you. Give them to me. Come to me, all of you who are labor and heavy laden, and guess what? I will give you rest. God wants us to lay down our offenses. The word tells us that we can uh, come to the altar, we can come to Jesus to remember him, to, to think about him, and he says, I want you to examine yourself. And if you've got any unforgiveness in your heart, I don't want you to proceed. I want you to go, make amends with that person, and then come back. You see, God is more interested with our heart than he is our actions or our doing. And God has called us to things, and he's saying, I've got such a great future for you, but I can't use you because you can't lift your hands because you won't let this go. I'm saying, God, today's the day I need to let it go. I need to let it go. So you say, it's, easy than you, it's easier said than done, Scott, and I fully appreciate that. I fully appreciate that. It says in Luke 17 says this, verse 3 to 5, it says, watch yourself. So if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times they come back saying, I repent, you must forgive them. It isn't you should. It's an order. Forgive. You must forgive them. And then this is the bit I really like. So the apostles, I can appreciate, they just sit, sit on, sat there listening to every word Jesus says. And then they come out of this. Okay, I understand. If that's what I've got to do, I must forgive them. They don't say, God, 
Help me to forgive. Help me to become more patient. Help me not to pick up so much offense. The words they say is, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. Basically saying, God, would you increase my complete trust and confidence in who you are? Help me to increase my perspective on how big you are. Because it doesn't matter how much weight we're carrying. It doesn't matter how many burdens, how many offenses we've picked up. God is bigger. God is stronger than us. Nothing worries God about it. But what he's looking for is he's looking for people that he can use. And when we've chosen to carry all these offense and not lay it down, when we've had opportunity and opportunity, he, 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 he says, it's up to you. I'm here ready and waiting. I'm here for you to come and lay it down. I've got a plan for you. And church, coastline, if, if, if you want to experience kingdom lifestyle, kingdom living here on earth, you need to start forgiving one another. You've got to stop holding that unforgiveness in your heart, which often starts small, such as somebody didn't invite you to a birthday party. And it starts small. But guess what? The more offense you, the, the more offense you carry, the more offenses you, you, you find. So you can come on up. Um, we're going to move into some ministry, and the band can come on up. That'd be great. Um, but just to kind of summarize three main points is we need to know that we're forgiven. We didn't deserve the forgiveness that we've got, but we're forgiven. We need to know that. It's only when we understand true forgiveness that we can express and display true forgiveness to others. Two, we need to be mindful about what's offending us. And it doesn't mean that it's right, some of them things that are happening. That's not right. What my point is, are we wearing it? We don't have to wear it. We can let it pass us by. So yes, they shouldn't speak to me like that. Yes, they shouldn't say words like that. That is wrong, and we should challenge and rebuke that. But what I shouldn't be doing is going out of my way to get that, hold it, and then keep it for years and years and years. Because the more offense we carry, we become comfortable. And then we just we, we take offense at everything. We take offense at everything, too. And the third one, how, how do I kind of get out of this then, Scott? We need to have a greater perspective from God. <laughs> We need to, God to increase our faith because it's hard. It's hard to forgive people. I appreciate that. And I'm not saying just go and forgive. I'm saying look to God. God, increase our faith because when our faith is increased in you, I've got total confidence that you can handle it and I can lay it down. I can lay it down. Right, let's stand together. <clears throat> I'm going to just enter a time of ministry. Thanks, Sarah.